You're listening to Escaping the Rat Race. I'm your host, Amy Leo, a singer, songwriter, and mental health educator. And our show is all about questioning the status quo and pushing the boundaries into what's possible for human beings and not probable. So tune in and get ready to escape the rat race, not only the monotonous nine to five work grind, but also that incessant internal mental chatter that prevents most of us humans from experiencing more joy, peace, clarity, and freedom. On today's show, I actually get to share my story and how leaning into the unknown and my constant questioning of what I thought that I knew and what the status quo was and what the norm was, how that led me to opportunities I never would have imagined. For instance, for the past four years, I've only had to work two and a half months every year, and that has allowed me the opportunity to travel to over 15 different countries and live in four different countries over the past four years. So if you're interested in discovering peak psychological performance for yourself, how to live a life with minimal suffering, a life in alignment with your own passions, and how to access true and lasting change for yourself, stay tuned for today's episode. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on whatever time zone you're in right now. My name is Amy Leo from ReviveYourSanity.com, and today is a special episode because I actually am the one being interviewed. So my colleague Meg is here uh, to allow me to share my story and the inspiration behind Revive Your Sanity and what we're up to. Hello, beautiful listeners. Megan here, your self-love fitness coach. Um, and I just want to introduce Amy for all of you that may not know her. Maybe it's your first time listening to this. Um, she is the founder of Revive Your Sanity Retreats and the website reviveyoursanity.com. Um, she is a wonderful singer-songwriter with a lot of talent and a beautiful voice. She's addicted to travel, so much so that her family never gets to see her. And her friends never get to see her, but that's okay because we have Skype and the internet. And she really is just another human being doing the best she can in the world and trying to end human suffering. So, Amy, if you would please take it away and tell us a little bit about yourself and your story of how you got into the three principles and what has caused you to want to, what inspired you to create Revive Your Sanity Retreat. Yes. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. Thank you, Meg. Thanks. Wow. Where to begin? Again, it's always fun to, to tell to tell your own story. Um, so my two passions growing up as a kid were, were definitely singing. It felt like it was something that was always mine, you know, in the sense of it was never something anyone told me I had to do. It was just something that felt really right and authentic. And I would chase my dad around and make sure I would be able to sing the national anthem at all the family 4th of July parties. And he would record all the music videos I was making with friends. And then as I started to get a little bit older, there was this piece that became really clear to me about how foundational someone's mental health is to everything else in their life. I remember being a teenager and I had a family member that came to live with me. It wasn't an immediate family member. Uh, and she was going through a really hard time circumstantially and having some suicidal ideation is what we call in the field of psychology. And I remember coming home one night and she was just sitting on the couch, completely white face with no affect at all, with no expression. And it really clicked in for me then that number one, 
this is really important. And number two, how come we're not talking about this? How come this isn't something that we're learning in school? Because even at 12 years old, 13 years old, I could see that everything that the world was telling me that was important, you know, getting good grades or making money someday or becoming a famous singer, I could see that without that mental health piece, none of that was relevant at all. And none of it could really thrive and build. And the three principles, just to clarify um, for the listeners in case they don't know what that is, the three principles is basically just a way of talking about and teaching about universal human experience. And this is something I had no idea that this conversation was going on, obviously, when I was 12 or 13. So (laughs) I had the grand idea that you know, in college, well, I'll become a psychiatrist. You know, again, I felt really strongly in my gut that this is something where I want to be of service to myself and others. So I followed the traditional route. I took all the pre-medical courses. So I was pre-med and I was also a psychology major. So I was also learning a lot of the history of psychology and a lot of the theories and ideas that exist right now in the field. And I got into med school much to my parents' excitement and mine at the time as well. And what's really interesting is I had an aha moment for myself, or I had kind of like another way to describe an aha moment is like a a, a gut feeling. And all of a sudden I, I, I realized, I don't think I want to go this path. I was starting to learn enough about being human and had had enough human experience myself in the field of social work that it seemed like going further down this road wasn't going to be it. So I walked away from medical school at the tender age of 21. <laughs> Again, much that, that was to my parents' dismay. <laughs> but what's beautiful is that wisdom is not tied to any age. It's really not. Your individual life's path is not <laughs> tied to anything other than your ability to be human and to see something differently about yourself and the world around you at any moment that can always happen. So I followed my gut and I thought, um, well, I guess I'll just really try to make it as a singer. Um, I want to start my own business that serves people in mental health, a place where people feel that they could be themselves and not be judged and really feel better. I still knew nothing about the three principles at this time. So I just continued with my uh, regular social work job. I worked with kids and teens that were discharged from the psychiatric hospitals. And I did that for about five years. And I really loved the kids. I really loved my coworkers. It was a fun job. But I could tell again in my gut something is missing people really weren't getting much better. Despite working with me for over a year and a half, uh, and it wasn't only me that they were working with, Meg. I mean, these kids and families had teams of people, you know, psychiatrists, psychologists, caseworkers, special ed teachers, everything. I mean, and yet there really was not a huge shift in their experience of life. A huge relief for them really wasn't present that often. So lo and behold, theme of my life, I guess, (laughs) Uh, I stepped away from social work again, not knowing what was going to happen. I figured, well, I'm going to start my own business, so I'm just going to try to do that, and I'm still going to try to be a singer. (laughs) And miraculously, what happened then is about three months after I quit my social work job, I had an opportunity to do consulting for health insurance and to teach seniors about their options in health insurance. And it just so happened that that opportunity 
was really in line with my preference for living a flexible lifestyle. So I, for the past five years of my life, have only had to work my quote unquote day job for two months, two and a half months every fall. And then the rest of the time I have spent uh, doing a lot of traveling. Uh, I certainly, certainly love to travel and there's a huge benefit for that, I believe for everybody, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> and also start exploring, again, building my own business. I came to the three principles conversation also by accident. I literally Googled life coach and singing coach because I thought, okay, well, maybe if I create some kind of a business that merges my two passions, then this is the place to go. I came across this gal that was living in Virginia that was doing that. There was an article written about her and I just reached out and said, I really love what you're doing. Thumbs way up. She listened to some of my music. It was really organic, natural. And she said, I really love what you're doing. Let's get on a phone call. And I said, sure. So we're talking maybe three times. I'm still not really understanding 100% what she's talking about with the three principles. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> but the feeling is really good between us and the rapport is really good. And I can tell that there's something here for me and I just wasn't sure what. So she invited me to come down to Charlottesville, Virginia to work with her mentor, Jean Catherine Gray, who runs a organization called Divine Play. And I just said, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> I had never met Jean Catherine. Uh, the four-day workshop uh, for the group, it was uh, 2500 for myself. And I just paid it again. And it just seemed, again, that there's something there. I couldn't logically uh, understand it. I couldn't, certainly couldn't analytically justify paying $2,500 for something that I have no idea what I'm going to get out of that. You know, that's a really common thinking pattern you have in our Western culture. Well, I'm going to pay this money. What am I going to get? And within five minutes of being in that space, we did this listening exercise and I just knew this is what I've been looking for. This is a conversation that makes sense. It's not about blaming people. Um, it's not about getting into the content of people's past traumas. Circumstances are absolutely real. People go through th some very, very difficult things, but it wasn't talking about that at all. It was talking about something much more fundamental, something much more simple and something much more universal. So of course I was hooked from there. <laughs> there it is, Meg. <laughs> Wow. Um, I love it. Not gonna lie. I've heard it before. Um, <laughs> but it's an awesome story. And every time I hear it, I take something new away from it. And I hope everybody here, I think, I think it resonated probably with anybody that's listening to it um, a little bit differently because we're all unique individuals. Um, and we all, we all have our own ways of taking things into context and perceiving the world. So everybody probably got a little bit different take from it. Um, and I did, want to bring up that I loved how everything that happened to you happened because you were open-minded and allowed yourself to follow your gut feeling, no matter how scary that was, which I know it was scary because I was there when you did these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is um, true. That was a good point. To bring up. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, you know, uh, but I mean, it's just amazing how you, when you open your mind like that, when there isn't so much clutter in there and you're not constantly trying to, I don't know if live the life that somebody else wants you to live is the right words. Um, 
But when, you, when you're allowed to just receive a new opportunity the way you did and the way you still do and the way you, you teach others to, I think that's a huge step to just be in the present moment, to be human and do the best you can at that time with what's, what's in front of you. You know, I know obviously a lot about you, and I hope this is okay that I bring it up, but I know that before 3P, you lost your uncle. Um, and then after doing 3P or during doing 3P, you actually lost your grandma. And I'd love to hear how both losses affected you and how the difference of 3P made that for you. Oh, what a great question, Meg. Yeah. Well, before before really doing some reflection in, in a three principles kind of way. And again, I want to be really clear listeners that a three principles conversation is not the only way to reach greater states of peace of mind, but it's a really direct route. You know, I think of, um, cause I'm not good with direction of the pair of us. Meg is much better with direction. Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not good with it, but it would be, uh, you know, Instead of using a GPS to get from point A to point B, you're kind of wandering and taking turns and you realize that, okay, suddenly when you have the GPS system, you suddenly realize that the trip that you thought took an hour, if you go this route, it only takes 15 minutes. You know, I mean, and this really happens to me in my life and other people too. So I just want to be clear about that. Um, Life in general felt a lot heavier to me before learning the three principles. When it comes to loss of a family member or sickness or death, I was very afraid of death, very afraid of it. Um, I was also really, really hard on myself as an individual. I would create a lot of things I should do, uh, ways I should look, setting up all these rules of how I should act around people in social situations. I mean, it was extremely, extremely loaded and heavy. And that kind of living, which is ironic, it actually pushed me further away from the things I really wanted. You know, whether it be a loving relationship, whether it was to feel comfortable in a room of strangers, um, whether it was to, you know, feel successful, um, in music or business or with my health. Um, and it's interesting. It's just interesting that when those subjects were that loaded for me that I experienced less of them. Uh, and then after my first retreat, you, a lot of times three principles uh, work is formatted as a four-day, at least a four-day retreat. Sometimes there's weekend things. But the thing about spending a couple days in this conversation is that it really allows your mind to quiet on its own. It gets you a little bit out of your everyday routine where you're constantly bombarded by stimulus and you have your reactive patterns in place. You know, there's something magical about stepping out of your, out of your everyday routine that can be helpful. And with my grandmother's illness and her death, Wow, if you would have told me that it's possible not to feel fear when you're going through something like that, not to feel judgment of other family members as they're going through their own emotions, I wouldn't have believed you, Megan. I would think that this isn't possible for human beings. 
But what happened for me is that I could so clearly see the innocence in everybody involved, how everybody was taking their own thinking and rules about life really seriously. You know, my grandmother ended up passing away from lung cancer and she was still smoking. I could see how my aunt put meaning to that, right? You know, she felt like she was out of control. So she got really, really upset about things like this. And then I could see how my mom was trying to logistically take care of everything. My mom was really great at solving problems. And so she was kind of the caretaker and the problem solver from there. And the thing is, there were a lot of really high stress situations, you know, whenever it would be my, for some reason, I don't know why this is, Nick, <laughs> but for some reason, when it was my uh, day of the week to go up and spend the night with Graham, because it did get to a point where she couldn't be alone overnight, there was always some kind of emergency, you know, <laughs> and even my mom was like, what is going on? You know, one time couldn't lift her into bed. She was really disoriented. Another time the doctor said her cumin levels were, were not at a good place. So I had to take her to the hospital. It's amazing how all of these kind of circumstantially stressful things were happening. I mean, one time I also had to you know, run out in the middle of the night and, uh, and refill her prescription. I mean, um, but through all of this, I experienced a really, really beautiful sense of love for my grandmother and my family members and how everyone was just doing the best they could. So it wasn't about blaming. It wasn't about anything like that, blaming or shaming or living with fear of what could happen. Um, and and the, the benefit of that is I got to spend quality time with my grandmother when she was alive, not in my own head, but really with her as a human being. And when she passed away, it was the whole family around uh, her bedside. And I also thought that I would, you know, we have these ideas of, of how we think we will react when we're faced with certain circumstances, but those are also just ideas that we've made up as a culture they're not true for every human being. So I didn't experience sadness when she passed away. I was overcome by such a powerful feeling that I can only describe as love, but honestly, love doesn't even do the word justice. I've been talking a lot. I will take a pause right now, but, uh, you know, it's just so hard for me to put into words, Meg, how profoundly my quality of life has changed in the past year since learning about the power of thought, not in the way that a lot of life coaching talks about it, but thought as a universal principle. Yeah. You and me both, girl. I know exactly what you mean. And I think we both watched each other change over this past year and over the past, what, nine years that we've known each other so much. If we look back, um, thank you for sharing that story. Um, you know, it's funny because I could, I could project onto you that it's not easy to talk about things like that, but that's just me and my idea <laughs> as the culture saying that, you know, it's not easy to talk about that or saying sorry that she passed away when maybe you're not sorry because it ended her suffering. So why am I the one to say, you know, like that's a terrible thing, you know, when if you didn't say that, why am I saying it to you? Um, so I love, I love that. Sorry. <laughs> uh, um, and so I think that a nice segue from here is to talk about uh, what it is that you're looking to achieve and create with the Revive Your Sanity Retreat, because 
Um, one thing I know that we've talked about, and one thing that I think you touched upon a lot just now with uh, the passing of your grandmother is human suffering. And I know that's something that you are very passionate about and and believe that, you know, you can basically end it and that it all comes from the thoughts that stem in our mind, you know. Um, and so I'd love to hear um, a little bit more about how you feel about the human suffering and how or what you want to achieve and create through Revive Your Sanities retreats? Great question, Meg. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I really invite listeners before I answer this question to just be aware of what your own reactions are when I'm talking about this. Some of us aren't aware yet that there's actually a little voice that's going on all the time in our heads, <laughs> all, all the time. And it often colors not often, it always colors how we perceive another human being. So if you've had a typically um, pessimistic view over the past few years, you're going to receive a lot of new information that way. Uh, on the flip side, if you're usually a really optimistic person or positive-minded person most of the time, then you'll kind of might want to run with this as well. So I just really invite you to just watch what goes on and not to judge. In my experience, Meg, Human emotional pain is inevitable, okay? It's absolutely inevitable. I tried for 27 years of my life. Well, okay, when I, let's say maybe 25, because when I was a child, I was really happy. I think most people have that beautiful childlike state, you know, <laughs> maybe for the past 25 years, you know, I've had moments where it did not feel good in my body. I felt what we would call anxious, what we would call depressed, what we would call insecure, what we would call angry, right? All of these negative, quote unquote, emotions that we experience as human beings. It's been my experience that I can't get out of being human, that that's just part of it, that there are moments where I am going to be in a really low state of mind. Where the suffering piece comes in for me is when we try to be anywhere else than where we are in that moment. The suffering piece is absolutely optional. I, I believe that 100%. Because when you see that the nature of life is that it, it truly is an inside-out process, you begin to be able to realize that it's okay to experience the plethora of human emotion but that you don't have to keep those horrible feelings, those really negative, quote unquote, states alive by then further beating yourself up about them, by keeping them alive, by thinking, okay, well, I've got to do something about this right now. How can I do an affirmation or go to yoga or tell my significant other that how, what he said really hurt my feelings, right? When you see that it's less and less interesting to play there, you as an individual begin to have access to a psychological freedom that allows you to live moment to moment and experience more of your natural human state, which I would say is mental well-being. And I made the little joke about when I was, before I was two, it's easy to point to this. You know, as adults, a lot of people, when I say that, uh, that i truly believe and have seen that mental well-being is our natural human state. You don't see little kids 
judging themselves because Susie took their toy and then they think that there's something wrong with them and they're not worthy and they need to go do some therapy work because Susie took their toy and not Jojo's toy. Kids don't do that. They might get upset because Susie took their toy, but they don't harp on it and they don't use, uh, you know, the analytical uh, kind of rehashing that we use as adults. And maybe there's biochemical reasons for that. I, I, yeah, I can see that there may be scientists on the call. But again, when you just allow yourself to be human, it's a whole different ballgame. So I've seen a lot of loved ones suffer greatly. And they suffer a lot. And they've been suffering for years. And what's on offer with the retreats at Revive Your Sanity is an opportunity for that to shift for you to see yourself differently, for self-love to be uncovered. You know, I don't think self-love is something we need to work at. Again, I know I'm sounding like a broken record. I think it's always there. The only thing that can get in the way of that is the contamination of your personal thinking. That's it. And the beauty of Oh, thanks. <laughs> the beauty of being human is that there's nothing special about me either or anybody like this is on offer for everybody. And that's also something really different at Revive Your Sanity. You know, we're not purporting to be experts. We're not giving people techniques. You know, uh, techniques can be helpful. I was in the personal development world for a while. But change doesn't come from someone else telling you what you should or shouldn't do. Change, true, lasting, and dare I say, can be sometimes quick change, always comes when someone sees something differently for themselves. That's how it's been for me. That's how it's been for clients that I've worked with and also the thousands of other three principal practitioners that are in practice uh, today. Thank you for sharing that, Amy. Um, I... Absolutely love listening to you talk because you're so right. And coming as a coach, um, a house coach and a personal trainer, when I was a, you know, as a personal trainer, you do, you just kind of tell people what to do, you know, and, and any personal trainer is listening out there, you know, it's not wrong. You know, you are obviously guiding them on form and, and how to, and how to do an exercise. But when it comes to the coaching aspect of it, you know, I just, I realized seriously how important it is to, you know, just listen to what the person's saying and allow them to the space to think and come up with their own answers and their own guidelines and their own ways and not me give them advice. You know what I mean, Amy? Oh, oh yeah. How well did advice work when you were a teenager and your parents told you not to date <laughs> way and you dated them for three years? You know, <laughs> of course. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> that's awesome. Um, I don't think we have too much time left. But I would like to ask you, before we sign off and, and let um, listeners know how to get in touch with you, which hopefully they know, because I think we say it on every podcast, but um, what, and now I know from what you just said that you're not somebody that believes in giving an action step, obviously, but is there a thought or a question or maybe a quote that you'd like to leave for the listeners to ponder on? Hmm. You know, like a way for them to come up with their answer on their own, but it's always nice to be provoked in a way, you know, because some people's brains don't go there. 
Um, but when they hear somebody else say it, it opens up your mind completely. Yeah, I'd invite listeners to to really question what they think they know. And I say that a lot, but it's really powerful. So to question what you think you know and play around with this in your own life. Experiment with what I've been talking about and what I've been talking about in really, really simple terms <laughs> is that your experience, my experience, Megan's experience can only ever come from one thing. And that's thought in the moment. And thought may not be something you're aware of. I'm talking more about the fact that we have this energy force that's coming through us that is then powering our electrochemical signals in the brain. But ponder with that idea, experiment with it in your life. See if next time that you're in traffic, Notice that you don't have the same exact, or maybe you do if you really have a thing with traffic. And we lived in New York, Meg and I, but, <laughs> but, but by the nature of being human, your experience of traffic will change if you're aware enough of it. So your experience of traffic, whatever that is, is not coming from the traffic. It can't. Something that exists in the world cannot get into your personal body and brain and make you feel a certain way. So don't take my word for that because I can already, I feel people's you know, minds going crazy as I'm saying this, <laughs> but just experiment with it in your own life. And there's another piece just to add at the end. When I talk about that experience can only ever come from thought in the moment, sometimes people think I'm men saying it's people's responsibility or that people are to blame for their own um, suffering. I'm not saying that people are to blame at all. I think it's all very innocently done because we obviously grew up in a culture that lived within, in the world of concepts. And that's how our brains are wired. I mean, that's how we can function. That's how I know when I come into a room, the thing with four legs is meant to be sat in, you know? So there's really great things about the brain taking shortcuts, but there's also immense, immense, immense power in the brain's ability to color your experience. It's I love only, it. Thank you. You're welcome. It's the only thing that colors your experience. <laughs> I love it. And, and I know from experience, because as you know, Amy, you've driven with me. And so is Kayla. And Kayla doesn't like driving with me at all in Queens or in Manhattan, because I'm a road rage person. <laughs> um, but from learning and practicing these principles and everything, I have just, I've learned to breathe, you know, <laughs> to breathe and realize there's no rush, really, because, you know, <laughs> it's all in my head. <laughs> Well, that person cut me off. Maybe the person didn't even see me, you know, like who knows what's going on with that person. Maybe there's somebody having a baby in the back of that car. Like, <laughs> Well, the other thing too is Meg, you know, there's nothing wrong with someone getting angry about driving. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think there's a better or worse behavior, but what I'm really pointing at is the fact that that's all happening on an individual basis, because exactly like you said, you have a completely different experience of road rage than I do. So it is not the person that cuts us off or the traffic that creates the experience. It's each of us individually, moment to moment to moment through this incredible creative capacity of thought 
sensation. Uh, see, thank you. And thank you. You just put it so simply. I love it. I hope that the listeners um, have enjoyed this interview with Amy, your founder of Revive Your Sanity Retreat, and that they, they do go and they do just experience what we talked about today. Just, you know, just try to open up your mind a little bit and actually experience a little bit more of your own thoughts and your own life. Um, so, Amy, before we log off, I would love for you to share how listeners can find you if they'd like to either go to a retreat or work with you one-on-one with coaching or, or sing with you. Hey, yeah, there we go. Because you're a singer-songwriter. I'm sorry, I didn't even touch about that at all, really. Oh. Um, so by all means, go ahead and say something if you want about singer-songwriting, and then you can say where people can meet you. Well, singing and songwriting, I think that's a whole nother, that could, that could be a whole nother reason. Because <laughs> as singer-songwriters, I'm sure my people out there, we, we get trapped a lot. We, we create our own creative prisons, and then ironically keeps us from doing our craft. So I think they'll schedule a whole new show for that. Um, if you okay. want to learn about upcoming retreat opportunities, uh, they can reach us at reviveyoursanity.com. Again, that's www.reviveyoursanity.com. There's also some goodies on there and some free resources. There's a video um, by a psychiatrist named Dr. Bill Pettit uh, called there's a cure for mental illness. There's also some blog pieces if you're more of a reader. So feel free to hop on over there. If someone wants to reach me personally, you can always email me. Uh, it's very easy. Amy, A-M-Y at A-M-Y-L-E-O.com. So again, that's Amy at amyleo.com. Well, thank you, Meg, for doing this. I've had a great time as always. Well, that is my story and I'm sticking to it. If you want to get these inspirational and practical conversations for escaping the actual and or mental rat race delivered straight to your device or inbox, you can subscribe either on iTunes and you can do that by typing in the search engine, escaping the rat race with Amy Leo, and then it'll pull up that picture of the beautiful gal there with all the colors and you just would click subscribe. And these are also up on YouTube on our YouTube channel as well. So you can subscribe on YouTube uh, and, and really stick with us throughout this journey. Again, thank you so much for listening. This was Amy Leo from reviveyoursanity.com. You can also email me at any time at amy at amyleo.com. Until next time, keep rocking.